0: Holly G. with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game. It's Masters Saturday. We normally call this moving day, but I would say it's more like hang on to your hat day, positioning day we got an incredibly tight leaderboard, aside from a guy named Scotty Scheffler, world number one, who's being a world beater at Augusta these past two days, given all the conditions. And it's my pleasure today to have one of our favorites back on the show. He's an internationally renowned sports psychologist, author, professional sports he has spent 35 years working at the highest levels of competition and preparing the best of the best professionals with their mental game, the one, the only, from David Ledbetter's Academy, Dr. Bob Winters. Good morning, Dr. Bob.
1: Good morning, Holly G. How are you?
0: Well, I am so excited. I mean, this is one of the biggest weekends for golfers all around the world right Bob everybody tuned in to what's going to happen at Amen Corner over the next two days and of course um, we will we will get to some of the other players but right off the bat you know we've got to talk about the main story which has been Tiger Woods this has been dubbed the Tiger Masters in a way Um, this comeback I think we've run out of adjectives superlatives to describe what a miraculous (laughs) comeback this is from his near-fatal accident back in February of 2021. And I just want to get some of your thoughts uh, on on this incredible, uh, just grit, perseverance, you know, just what what makes Tiger tick that enables him to uh, get not only his, you know, body in physically in shape after such a horrific accident, but how he deals with with the pain and how he, more than any player on the planet, knows how to mentally get around Augusta National.
2: Well, let's go back a few years when Tiger Woods lived here uh, at Isleworth, and he was here in the Windermere area. I remember one time I was at a Walgreens, and I was, you know, behind him a couple people, you know, with my wife. And, you know, I've always, you know, been very friendly with him. He's always given me a nod and say, hey, how you doing, Doc? And, and I remember looking down, he had shorts on. But his legs, I mean, his upper body, he was working out so much. And he has sort of this V-shape. But his legs, especially his ankles, are extremely skinny. I mean, he really has skinny little legs. I said, I don't know how much leg work he's done. And this was when he was actually running around, you know, putting on those weighted army boots and really was trying to get himself into the best, you know, peak physical shape. And so now when you think about having this horrific car accident and having rods and pins in those pretty skinny legs, it really is a medical Marvel. It is a testimony to getting the very best doctors, the very best rehabilitation, physical therapists. I mean, obviously the money it takes, you know, and the time involved, but also, you know, the personal willpower of someone to say, I'm going to do this. Here is a player maybe on the verge of losing, you know, a limb. And now he's out there walking, you know, these unbelievable hills of Augusta. And even is really putting himself in a chance to contend. It's it's really fascinating. But I really want to go back also, Holly, to say when did this sort of journey start? Obviously, it started, you know, in the medical room, the emergency surgical room. But it also, you know, for many months uh, down in southern Florida, he's really been looking, you know, to... You know, am I going to come back? Will I come back? And then I think what most people fail to realize is when he and Charlie were playing here in the father-son. And I think the decision to play Augusta was really motivated and juiced up when I think they went 11 or even 12-under for the last 13, 14 holes to actually finish, you know, right up there, right next to John Daly Sr. and John Daly Jr. And both of them played fantastic in the father-son. But he and Charlie made that run. And it wasn't that he just really wanted to contend. You could see Tiger and Charlie, they wanted to win. And he's a different cat. And I mean that literally and figuratively. He He is different, Holly. He's wired different. He's been programmed different, Uh, I mean, right from a very early age. We always talk about, you know, you become what you think about, but you also become what you do, what you create, what you attract in your life. And, you know, Earl Woods told him years ago, you're going to have a huge impact, maybe an impact bigger than even, you know, the the good Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you talk about putting expectations on a young man. And Tiger Woods has really come, you know, to really... Be at the forefront, and no, no further. You know, illustration is better than that. And on a, a Monday practice round at the Masters, and it's so great. You know that we are past all of this COVID pandemic stuff, and everybody is out, and it's, there's a sense of normalcy out there, especially in golf. And you've got people who are ten, eleven, twelve deep. You know, trying to get a glimpse of this man making his, his story come back.
0: Yeah, Monday. Comeback. Monday. Yeah, Practice Monday. Round. This is
2: Monday. I mean, thousands and thousands of people. It looked like a Sunday uh, late afternoon at the Masters, but this was Monday. And you know, to also see him, you know, play the last couple of days and to really just grit and grind. And you, you see, he's... His, he's frail. I mean, he's obviously very overworked, overdeveloped up top because he's really using a lot of upper uh, muscle body, but also because of his condition, Holly, and I'm looking at this from a motor learning perspective and developmental body movement perspective, you know, he can't really have that dynamic thrust and torque into his left leg like he used to from the early Tiger or the mid-Tiger years. So he's a little bit more swinging within himself. I mean, it's, it's controlled aggression, there is no doubt. But I think perhaps he's really now really working more on being able to flush the ball, to have that smash factor, you know, the speed of the club head plus, you know, the centeredness, the squareness of contact. So when you go in with a mindset that says, I can play, and I can do this. And even when he was asked at his press conference, they asked him, do you really believe that you can win? And he just came up with a very confident two words, I do. And I think that really says it all for Tiger Woods. I mean, he has an attitude. He has a conviction. He has a, a spirit within him that's separate than, than almost anyone that's that's ever played. Maybe Jack Nicklaus was, you know, the one, and I think mean, even Jack looks at Tiger and is he just marvels at him because he's done this uh, Ben Hogan, you know, comeback, if you will, and Hogan, I mean, God bless him. I mean, he didn't have, you know, the medicine, you know, the uh, The opportunity. Yes, he didn't have all of that. He was wrapping himself, and I'm sure that's exactly what Tiger Woods is doing. So it's going to be interesting starting today, Saturday, you know, we call moving day, physician day. I happen to believe it's going to be cold weather, and I think that's really one of the things that will maybe limit Tiger. But it may not because it may even give him an advantage because I think, you know, Tiger has a lot of grit. He's actually been there so many times in so many majors and so many major championship, master's championships that I think he's going to use that experience. And he's like a a surgeon out there. He's making these surgical cuts. He's going to put the ball here. He's going to place the ball here. And he's going to cut the golf course up. And, and the trick here today, Holly, as you know, is it's windy. It's unbelievably windy. It's going to be cold. So you've got to, you know, flight the ball down. You've got to be able to hit, you know, creative uh, cut shots, spin shots. And no one is better than that, as, than one Tiger Eldrick Woods. So it's going to be an interesting thing. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, there are a, a couple of things, uh, Dr. Bob. One is it was interesting yesterday. Tiger had that sort of cagey smile, when he gave his uh, presser right after his round talking about how he thinks the course is going to set up over the next couple of days and he said that he believed the master's committee was going to finally have the course set up that they've been looking for he said for a number of years so what does that tell you is it about firm, you know, drier conditions, the winds, you know, but you could see in Tiger's mind that being an advantage, that playing into Tiger's playbook because if there's a guy who knows how to be patient, how to, you know, not get ahead of himself, especially in a major, especially at the Masters, nobody's better than Tiger. We saw that in 2019, didn't we?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I think really what you're going to see this weekend is going to be a Masters reminiscent of, you know, several years back when I think Trevor Immelman won the Masters. It was cold. uh, The greens were dry. It was tough to hold shots. uh, And you had to be extremely patient. And I've always said that patience is confidence waiting to happen. And that's, that's the whole point, is that you have to be able to take your opportunity to take your shots and not get too distressed. So patience, resilience, and acceptance, and being able to accept, you know, a bogey or a double bogey and, and move on. I mean, we see that. I mean, take a look at the very first round with, you know, the young Australian Cameron Smith. I mean, he double bogeys the first hole, and he double bogeys, you know, the, the last hole, and... But in the meantime, I mean, he makes, you know, a number of, you know, birdies, and he makes so many birdies that if you had told someone before they went out and said, listen, I'm going to give you a 68 here in the first round, would you take it? Oh, you'd take it all day and run. That's so right. Whether you begin or whether you end good or bad or indifferent, it really doesn't matter. It's a total aggregate, and it's, you know, we talk we talk about a total score. We don't ask you what you did for 14 or 15 holes. What did you do over those 18 holes? And here at the Masters, we ask you, you know, what did you do for 72 holes? Then we'll start talking about, you know, this is good, this is bad. But for me, as I sort of look, you know, at the leaderboard, I'm looking at, I mean, anybody who is really – you know, on, you know, that page, uh, I mean, I mean, anybody here is a feeling. Anything can happen. But I have, you know, sort of a feeling. I'm looking at some different, you know, players. I'm looking at, you know, sort of uh, Kevin Kisner. Obviously, he's right there with Tiger Woods. But you have Lee Westwood. Uh, you've got Bubba Watson, Terrell Hatton, you know, Sergio Garcia, John Rahm, uh, McElroy. They're all at two over. But i got to tell you, I mean. You think that, they're still
0: would, in the game, huh?
2: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, because let's let's face it, Scotty Scheffler, you know he's won what three out of the last five. I mean, he really knows how to handle pressure. But this is a different type of animal. This is a different type of pressure now. And uh, I know he's very very calm. He is a very calm Texan, and he's a cool, tall drink of water. But When you have people, you know, chasing you, and this is the Masters, and we always talk about the Masters begins on the final nine at Augusta, but today is going to be a big positioning day. And I think some of the Europeans, some of the people who have been very, very successful in adverse conditions, I think these will be the people who really make a move, because I think there's going to be a lot of positioning, a lot of readjusting on the leaderboard. And this is why one of the things, you know, if you're in the Masters right now this weekend, you have to have a mindset that says, I'm in it, you know, I, I'm, but I've got to, you know, I've got to go out and I've got to execute and, and I've got to play well today. So maybe, you know, could they be, you know, hoisting know, the green jacket, those people who are two, three, you know, maybe, uh, you know, what's, what's the cut here, you know, four over? Yeah, I mean... Could could they do it? Well, they have, you know, a remarkable round. And another thing, Holly, is it's going to be about fifty five, fifty six degrees there. It's gonna be a very cool day. So if someone gets sort of a, a luck of the draw, meaning they get a tea time where the wind really doesn't kick up because some of the people in Friday's round had sort of what I call a little softer conditions. So the wind laid down a little bit and that's where you saw they made, you know, a run of birdies right, right. towards the end.
1: Absolutely. So,
2: You just never know. And that's really, you know, what golf is. You know, we always talk about everybody plays the same game, the same course. Well, I have to tell people, and I always tell my athletes, that's not essentially true. You know, you have to adapt to what, you know, Mother Nature is giving you. And and sometimes not everyone's playing the same course. Some people are playing sort of docile, uh, benign conditions, and then others are playing a vicious uh, monster. So... Uh, you, you take what you get and do the very best you can. At the end of the day, let's total it up. But I think it's going to be a fantastic, a fantastic uh, repositioning on the leaderboard. And, and I tell you what, this is you know, something that uh, for me as, as a player, as a coach, as a sports psychologist, there are so many different uh, things going on this game. But for today, it's about having clarity of your decision making, you know, total commitment. And then trusting, and that's just part of it. And the biggest part of all of this is the acceptance, you know, of what has happened and being able to adapt. We always talk about being consistent, but you know, in golf, sometimes it's even more important to be aware that I need to adapt to the conditions and do the very best I can rather than just think, oh I've got to be consistent, I've got to be consistent. The, the one right. thing you have to be consistent at, you have to be consistently patient to, to know that you have to stay in there and hang in there because you're not out of it, because it's never over until it's over.
0: Let me ask you a couple questions uh, related to that. So it was very interesting to get a little peek into Tiger's mindset because what he said was, hey, I'm only four shots behind the second place guys, right? That... Uh, with a five shot lead, I think someone mentioned that Tiger's father once said to him that'll be the toughest round you play all day because you're trying to hang on to something that's very difficult to hang on to uh, and And speaking of that, because I thought this was fascinating, Justin Thomas talking about what quote unquote went wrong. In his opening round, I mean, so much, so many people thinking JT was, you know, a favorite for this year's Masters, but he talked in his, after his round, Dr. Bob, and I really want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, it was very revealing. He said he just couldn't get focused, and we often think that these guys, once they get behind the ropes, it's like automatic, right? They just click into another, another mode. But it was so revealing to listen to Justin Thomas talk about that his his thoughts were just all over the place. And he, you know, he kept trying to reset. And then JT is one of those guys, even though, you know, he shoots 76, boom, bounces back with a 67 and has, you know, the best round of the day.
2: Oh, yeah, I think, you know, that... You know, the whole world has a different perspective, you know, of these, you know, great, great players. These great players are all human beings. Uh, Obviously, they do something by vocational choice and that they work very hard to become competent and very proficient at it. And they make it look very easy but not for a minute think, you know, they're not thinking, you know, disastrous thoughts or fear of failure or, you know, what other people are doing. And, and I think, you know, for Justin Thomas, I mean, I think that's really what has happened uh, because there's no greater burden, you know, in, in golf, you know, than having these huge expectations and expectations thrust upon you. Oh, you're going to win, you're due. But as you're a player and you're out there playing, you're saying, gosh, you know, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen today? And why is this happening to me? And you know, am I losing my opportunity? And I think that's the whole point. Your mind starts to drift a little bit. And if you think, you know, in a four and a half five hour round of golf, you have maybe anywhere from twelve to sixteen minutes where you're actually hitting shots. Well, you've got about four hours there where your mind is. I mean, it could take you for a ride and take you someplace where you don't want to go. And that's why when people talk about, you know, I just lost my focus. Well, let's let's think about that. You know, how how can people who are listening to this to this uh, interview how can they actually you know regain focus? Well, yes, the one give, thing you have give to, us
0: average joes
2: some yeah, average some Joe, tips,
0: yeah. Doctor Bob.
2: Yeah, here's here's something about focus. I mean, focus is this wonderful term that has two dimensions. It has attention, which is energy control. So when you are in class and you're kind of goofing off, and the teacher says, "Hey, Holly Gagan Pay attention to me. And you go, ooh, okay. Yeah, so now you redirect your energy back to the teacher and what she's doing. And that energy cost, that's what we call paying attention. You are paying an energy cost of putting your energy into this moment of what you're supposed to be doing. The other part of focus is intention. What is it that you want to do? Where is the willful directedness of that energy? Where do you want the ball to go? What do you want to do? So those are the two things, attention and intention. You know, What do I want to do with my energy? Where do I want this ball to go? And I think when you start putting your energy back into that and you start getting into the task, focusing on execution of the task versus, oh, this could mean I can make a par, oh, I could make a birdie here. No, what's my task? My task is to step into this shot right now at This one moment and hit this ball right to my intended target. So we talk about this power of intention, and that's really what you know, I think Justin Thomas is, you know, really alluding to. He goes, I- I'm not focused. You know, maybe he didn't commit. Maybe he wasn't, you know, totally focused into a couple of shots. And uh, Augusta, if you're not focused, if you're not committed, you're going to end up making a lot of sloppy bogeys and double bogeys. Even Tiger Woods said yesterday for a couple of those little uh, pitch shots, he goes, I just kind of lost my commitment on a couple of those shots. Yeah, that was very
0: interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, if it works for Tiger Woods... Hey, then everybody else relax just a little bit because if Tiger Woods is losing his focus, then, you you know, what about the rest of us? I mean, we're all human beings. We're doing the very best we can. And I think that's the key word there in that phrase, the best. You know, this is the best I've got at this moment. And if I can focus my intention and my attention into doing this, then, you know, whatever happens, I can live with because this is the best I can do in this moment. And I think everyone can benefit, you know, from just, you know, resetting their focus and saying, okay, I'm going to start fresh, and this is the shot that gets me going. This is the shot that builds positive momentum. And I think that's really what you're seeing on every shot, every hole with every player, this weekend at the Masters, and if we can kind of sort of emulate that and kind of bring that into our game, wow, we're we're going to have a golden day on the golfing links.
0: Yeah, and I think no golf course uh, really exudes these moments and these situations like Augusta and a particularly Amen Corner. But you know, we see the guys dumping it into Rays Creek, having to make that ultimate chip to save par you know there can be so many swings right on that back nine which is what especially on sunday has us all on the edge of our seats now they they say that the past winners that have had a five-shot lead dr bob uh have been untouchable do you and have gone on to win One, do you think Scotty Scheffler has the medal? He sure seems to. Seems to be a pretty centered, you know, unruffled feathers kind of guy in the moment. But are the course conditions particularly today? Do you think today is going to really decide the outcome of this tournament? Well, there's two or three things here I will address, Holly. This golf
2: course, this tournament, is designed for drama for it's designed, you know, for unbelievable comebacks and unbelievable setbacks. And the second thing is no lead is too big that cannot, you know, be changed with just a couple of wild swings and bad turnovers. You, know, you cannot protect a lead. I mean if I'm you know talking, you know, to, to to Scotty, I'm sitting here going, you just continue doing and moving forward. You know, I was busy Lucky enough to work with some of the greatest of the greats. And one of the best front runners, uh, was a player by the name of Billy Glasson. When Billy Glasson was in the front, he was one of the very best front runners. I would say Raymond Floyd was someone else. I mean, these two guys, when they got in front, they did not have a rear view mirror. And that's the one thing that if you are in the lead, you know, you, the lead for many players, When they start wanting to hold and protect the lead, because you cannot protect the lead, and it's a play on words. It's the same spelling, but the lead becomes lead and it weighs you down because you're trying to protect. Love it. Your, Love it. Yeah, yeah, the lead becomes lit, and you try to protect that lead, and you cannot protect anything in golf, especially golf. And a five-shot swing, well, somebody, you know, right behind, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler, you got Charles Schwartzel, I mean, a former, you know, Masters champion. He's right there at, at three under.
0: you got got Hideki.
2: Yeah, and you've got you've know, you got Lowry. You've you
0: got three guys that have been there, done that.
2: you got Dustin Johnson, who's just a few shots back. So if, you know, Scotty Scheffler goes out and goes bogey double, I mean, and somebody else goes, you know, birdie, birdie. Game I mean, on, you know, they, game on. And, yeah, it's always the game on. That's why I say, you know, for Scotty, you know, you just, you know, no rearview mirror. You just got to keep looking forward and for everyone else. And that's why when, you know, uh, in my business, when I work with players, I always ask, do, do you want to lead? Would you like to have a two- or three-shot lead? And for them, psychologically, emotionally, a lot of them say, uh, going into the final round, I, I don't mind being one or two shots back because I'm not there trying to protect the lead. And, and I'm, I'm chasing. I'm a chaser. I can go out and be smart, aggressive, and, and really just put pressure on them. So they have a little more emotional freedom to go out and go play. Those people who are in the lead, I always tell them, you have to give up the lead. And what that means is you've got to give up the lead. You've got to give up the weight And you've got to keep on being aggressive, you know, one after one until you're done and moving forward, because that's how you win tournaments. You don't win tournaments looking around and looking at the scoreboard and comparing and what do I have to do here now. You play, you know, according to your game plan, according to your gut, and and you do what you do, because that's what you do. I mean, and all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do should be more than enough if you're actually doing the right things and you're focusing on, you know, productive outcomes
0: what's your one tip Dr. Bob before we wrap this up that that you can give amateur golfers my listeners I, I go to the the 18th hole at the players championship on Monday because we had a Monday finish right Cameron Smith when he hit that shot out of the pine straw on 18 actually hit it a little purer than he uh realized and it dribbled into the water And now he's faced with having to make a chip and a putt for par. Uh, You know, in a case like that, I think a lot of amateurs, you know, just lose their mind. The fact they've made that mistake, you know, they're now in the water. Now they're, you know, grinding it out. But in a case like that, what's just a reset? What's something simple that we average Joes can do?
2: Well, you know, uh upon, you know, hitting a poor shot or maybe, you know, hitting one in the water, or hitting one out of bounds, instead of actually rushing into your bag and getting another potato and putting it on the tee <laughs> and, and actually just hitting it, you know, in disgust, just take a few moments to sort of just let the dust settle, you know, keep, take a couple of nice deep breaths and just say to yourself, okay, hey, I got the bad one out of the way. All right, now what is it that I want to do? And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, most amateurs, they actually take their trash from one shot, one bad result, and they parlay that into a series of, you know, mishit shots, rushed shots. And before long, in just a period of two or three holes, they've taken all what was a really solid round, and now they turn it into a garbage disposal round. (laughs) So you have to ask yourself, am I a golfer? or a garbage collector. So what <laughs> we have to we have to be able to put our past behind us and and what I always do after a bad shot, I you know have had you know players go over to the side and swing and swing the bad feeling away. Just swing it away. Mm, swing it away. I can like that. and yeah, just swing the bad feeling away. I mean, instead of actually putting and throwing the club in the bag and just, just saying, Pounding it damn. on the TV. Ah, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing as why would you put an angry passenger on a jet plane, you know, just to take them and just disrupt the whole, you know, uh, plane flight. No, you wouldn't do that. So you want to put a good feeling in the bag. So swing a couple of aggressive swings just to get it out of your system. But before you put the club in your bag, make a good swing. Make a model swing. Make that, you know, that Sports Illustrated cover, you know, the Golf Digest cover swing. I say, ooh, okay, that's the feel I want to have. So then when you put the club in the bag, the next time you go to reach for that iron or driver or whatever club you hit, you're not pulling out a mistake. You're pulling out a good feeling. So that's really just one tip I could give everyone. You know, sort of slow it down, swing away, you know, the bad feeling, you know, replace it with a real positive feeling, a positive strong thought, then put, you know, the club in the bag, and then walk forward. Park that anger. Park that disgust. That's history. That shot is George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. It's history. It's done. Let's move to the next shot. You know, with great you no know, vigor, great anticipation, and we're going to work our magic on this next shot. And that's how you move from one shot to one shot to one shot and create you know a, a glorious golfing day.
0: I love it, Doctor Bob. Uh, don't be an angry bird. Think of yourself as a Big, giant eagle spreading those wings, right, Dr. Bob? Seize the moment. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. You know, fly high, go low.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob. So great to spend time with you. Can't wait to see who puts on the green jacket on Sunday. Before I let you go, who's your pick right now?
2: Who is my pick right now? I'm, I'm kind of taking a look at it. Uh, I, I got to tell you, i um, I'm looking at a couple of different players, and you may even think this is pretty crazy. I think Shane Lowry, or I think this JJ Spawn has shown me a lot of spunk. I don't think he's going to be right there, but hopefully he can get back up there. But I got to tell you, uh, you got, you know, DJ, you got Dustin Johnson right there, and he's been having some sort of driver woes over the last couple of days. I think he's going to get this figured out, and I think DJ, uh, will, will be a force as well. So, hey, you know, the whole point I know is that. Whoever wins, this is the greatest golf tournament, you know, ever created. It's like a great class reunion where all the greats get together. Uh, there's so much tradition, so much legacy here, and uh, it's just great to see all the patrons, and it's, it's wonderful. So I'm excited. Uh, you know, I've been there many times with many different players, but i got to tell you, on Sunday afternoon, The best place to see the Masters is in your living room with your cool beverage and your snacks and watching it shot for shot. I mean, you can be there at the Masters. That's one thing. But to see it, you know, the comfort of your own home, that's probably a pretty good seat. And that's where I'm going to be, Holly.
0: I couldn't agree more. And all I can say to that, Dr. Bob, is Amen. (laughs)
1: Amen corner. There you go. All right. Okay. Hi, Dr. Bob.
0: Always great to spend time with you. Uh, And how can my listeners get in touch with the great Dr. Bob right here in Orlando?
2: Well, they can actually get a hold of me at, you know, the Ledbetter Golf Academy. And they can actually, you know, contact davidledbetter.com. You can find our contact information there. Or you can go to my website, which is very simply the Confidence Doctor. The Confidence Doctor, and I've got a lot of different portals and information, contact sites there, and you can get a hold of me, and I'm always looking forward to getting you know, new students, motivated students, helping them play great, one shot at a time.
1: Love it, Dr. Bob. Thank you so much, and we'll speak to you again soon.